Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. It is Sam and Greg on this Saturday morning, the 24th day of February. And you know, Sam, on the birthday list, there are two people from this trilogy of movies. Did I say that sentence right? There were two people in the trilogy, which actually then makes it plural. I should have put an S on there. Of of the Godfather movie. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and they both have other roles that make them that were just as famous for them. Abe Vigoda would have been his birthday today. Oh man! So that was Tessio in The Godfather, but then he he landed, and he's got two more shows from being Fish on Barney Miller, right? <laughs> and then he had right. the show Fish. He had, so he had his own show, right? He had Abe Vigoda, and you had Dom- I'm going to pronounce his last name right. I haven't heard it said in a long time. Dominique Chenizi, Chenizi. Anyway, he was. Um, Johnny Ola. He was Hyman Roth's guy, his his man in Godfather 2. Okay. Hyman Roth is, you know, he's kind of like the Meyer Lansky character. His guy was Johnny Ola. That was Dominic Chenise. But he was also Uncle Junior in The Sopranos. Oh. So there you go. So this, they, both of these guys celebrating a birthday, would have celebrated a birthday today, along with, of all people, Bill Knight, 86 years old, who probably has sold many, many soccer balls, which takes us into our next <laughs> next guest. I'm trying to bring it to soccer here, and I'm sure he's a big Godfather fan. But anyway, dude, we've been looking at pictures from you up in Columbus. Yeah. I, I, I hope you got some windshield wiper fluid that will uh, not freeze on the windows while you're there. Jason Longshore, <laughs> buddy. It's a little interesting here in Columbus. <laughs> um, the snow appears to have let up as we talk now, Uh Snow is supposed to end by about 10. And it wasn't that cold last night. We walked over from the hotel to watch the Blue Jackets play. No snow. wasn't even really that cold. So I'm, I'm looking out the window now, and the roads have pretty much melted. There's not any snow on the road. It's just wet. Okay. So I think once we get into the game, now it's not supposed to really be much over freezing by the time we kick off at 2 o'clock, but – I think the field will be fine. I think it just might be a little wet, but we're not supposed to get really any more precipitation the rest of the day. Okay, Sam, I got to jump in here because I have a series of questions because Jason has spent, Jason Longshore, by the way, joining Sam and Greg here, Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929thegame.com. He has continued his education of me. And so I try to draw correlations between some other sports when understanding how things are done soccer wise when I hit a brick wall. And I'm hitting one right now. I asked Sam earlier, Jason. If you guys play soccer, if they play soccer in in snow flurries, thinking that if there's snow coming down, forget it. It's not gonna. They're not gonna oh, play. No, but he play. said they'll play. But here's my thing: what? How does that change? You go into this game. You go into this match, 
having one set of objectives as far as how you're going to attack this team, and then the weather comes into play. Is it like an NFL um, game where you know the guys got to go in and change their cleats, and they're going to now have a you know a ground game as opposed to throwing it up in the air? What are the subtle changes when weather comes into play for soccer matches? Well, you mentioned equipment. I mean, that does play into it. You're going to be looking at you know, longer studs, if, if you've got those, if you can do that. that I don't think it's actually going to come into play today, though. I don't think it's going to be too bad. Now, the, the question is, this is a newer stadium in Columbus. I do not know if it's heated underneath. I don't know if they covered the field, you know, last night, for example. I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but a lot of it depends on how much accumulation you have, and that's what's going to affect, like, how the actual game plays out. Can you play the ball on the ground? From an Atlanta United perspective, that's going to be the biggest question, whether we're talking a day like today or like a, a rain game. Can you play the ball on the ground without the conditions affecting how you play? Because Atlanta United, in general, wants to keep the ball on the ground. They want to control possession, as does Columbus. So if the conditions make it difficult for those short passes, for those combination plays, it's going to be really interesting to see how these teams adapt. I think Atlanta can adapt just a little bit better than Columbus. Spend the time on the waitfor.com hotline this morning with Jason Longshore. Uh, you will hear him this afternoon along with Mike Conti on the call for Atlanta United and their season opener against Columbus Crew here on Sports Radio 929 The Game. He is social. You can always find him at Longshoe at Longshoe. We've had some weather issues when we played there in the past. I remember a match they played there and it was the field was practically submerged and they went and played anyway, right? Yeah, that was 2019. And that's what I'm hoping we don't have today, even if not snow on the ground, but the field is wet. In that one, it was also cold, but it was just raining the whole time and you had puddles on the field. Yeah. That's where you start to get to a match being unplayable. I'm not expecting that today, but where you have those kinds of conditions where the ball can't act naturally, it can't roll naturally, that's where referees have to make a decision. And today we do have an interesting situation with referees as well. I was going to bring that up. (laughs) Yes, replacement referees right now in in Major League Soccer as the current officials under the the Professional Soccer Referees Association. They have been locked out. They have not come to a new agreement. And we have referees who have worked professionally but haven't worked at the MLS level. So before the game, the league will be involved in making decisions about if the field's playable and all of that. But once the game starts, and again, today, I don't think that's going to factor in at all. If conditions deteriorated during the game, that's where the referee would have to make a decision. And going back to that 2019 match, that was one where it looked like the referee was going to make a decision to stop the play because the ball couldn't roll on a normal basis on that field. And then the referee did not. Don't think we're going to have that kind of a decision have to be made today. Hey, Jason, again, Jason Longshore joining Sam and Greg here. All right, help me out here because unless you follow soccer, you didn't know about this this dispute going on between the refs and and what's going on in MLS. And what is there? Why are they being locked out? What's the issue? Obviously, I'm sure there's money involved in it someplace. But what's it like being a ref in uh, in the MLS league versus some of the others? And um, what's their what's their complaint? Well, I think it's actually similar to a lot of the other leagues and and how things have grown over the years. There's 
more money to be made. There's more pressure on the referees for these matches because there's more people watching. There's more people talking about it. It's, it's a tough gig. It always has been. And I think it continues to get more difficult now, even with the tools like video assistant referees and replay and those kinds of aspects that give referees more opportunities to, to get calls, right. As always, I think the, the referees, as we've seen in baseball over the years, basketball, football, they're negotiating to make more money as the league's making more money. Nothing wrong with that. I, I'm, I'm frustrated that there's been, on both sides of this one, a lot of posturing rather than enough talking to get this deal done. Um, a lot of back and forth that has just wasted time. Everybody knew when the season was going to start. Everybody knew that you, know, you get a tentative agreement and it's taken back to the membership of the Referees Association, and then it's voted down, like 90% down. So why did we waste our time with a tentative agreement that wasn't going to even have any chance of getting passed? It's too much posturing for me on both sides. Find a way to get this deal done. Pay the referees more, obviously. There's more money to pay them with. But you've got to find that number that makes sense on both sides. It's we see this across the board in in sport, and it's just something that, in this case, both sides have been, in my opinion, just a little bit too concerned with the PR side of it as opposed to getting the deal done. I think he just answered my follow-up question, so I, I don't have nothing to say. <laughs> I think he just answered it because, you know, Jason's great about this. He gets right. thorough. What was your follow-up? And, well, well, it, your mind again. it had to do with that and the, and the fighting of it. But I tell you, I will ask you this, though. Is the objective much like the players as far as the referees on the MLS side? Are they trying to get to the Premier League? Um, it's a little bit different in, in this because you do see, I'd say kind of rarely, referees leave their country to go ref in another league. I think what you see here is referees climbing the ladder. So if, if you're a kid out there and you want to start refereeing, you start in your local youth league and you continue to move up the ranks and you get higher certifications and then you can do adult games and then you can do lower level professional games and then you can do MLS games. The, the pinnacle is the referee in a World Cup. So it's not like the player side in terms of moving to another league and club but it is getting to the World Cup. It is representing your nation at that World Cup as a referee. That's really that pathway on the way up. You don't see many move to another country to work in another league. That brings another question, though, and we're a couple of years off from that. What pool will those officials come from that get to come and potentially work the matches here in Atlanta? That's uh, worldwide. And you see referees, I mean, we saw in 2018, for example, when the U.S. didn't qualify on the field to play, you saw referees work in that tournament. Mark Geiger, who is uh, one of the main people with the professional referees organization that assigns and manages the referees with MLS, he refereed a, a knockout game in 2018. So it'll be spread around the world. Each continent will have representatives and it's, it's a really, I think with the, the referees based here in the United States, you're seeing more and more climb that ladder and be in contention to work those games, either as a center referee, as an assistant referee, and now as a video assistant referee on, on the bar side. So the American referee pool has improved so, so much over the years, and there's still room to grow. I mean, we, we complain about referees in every sport, right? That's just that's the nature of being a fan. It's the nature of doing what we do. But the referee level in the U.S. has improved, in my opinion, dramatically 
in the last decade, there's still room to grow. And hopefully they can continue to get there and get more referees in those World Cup games. I don't know if you can answer this question, but it popped up when Sam just asked his, and this is what ran through my mind. Don't know one way or the other, but if these crews are made up of, say, like it's an all-star team, right, of refs, if you will, from around the world, does a crew of referees on, on a particular match all have to speak the same language? Yes, typically. Um, I think in some competitions they might mix people up a little bit more, but typically it's a crew from the same country or at a minimum the same region. It's not purely an all-star crew. They try to keep a group together a little bit once that tournament starts. So like you're kind of assigned to a ref team in that group, and, and you work together with a group where the communication is important, yes. Well, spending time with Jason Longshore getting set. Let's talk about this match, first of all. And when we look to the other side with Columbus, we're going to see some familiar faces over there, right? Defending champs, Darlington Nagby is the one that a lot of people are going to remember from his time in Atlanta. But he's been here since 2020, and he's on a current game streak right now. That is, if he plays today, which you would expect that he would, he'll move into third overall in league history and over a hundred games played consecutively. He's an Ironman in that midfield. And that midfield for me is the number one thing you look at with the Columbus crew. This is a team that I thought had the biggest improvement in the second half of the season, just a little bit more than Atlanta did last year. And you saw them take that all the way to MLS cup, but it's the midfield that powers it. Nagby with his quality on the ball, Aiden Morris next to him, the young American central midfielder. That's the engine room for this Columbus team that around those two, you get a lot of numbers forward. They're very dynamic. They have an incredible attacking player in Cucho Hernandez. It's a really well-organized, well-drilled team and they play in a very similar way to Atlanta both teams when you look at the overall numbers both teams want possession they're one two last season both teams scored a lot of goals one two last season the difference was Columbus not a great defensive team but a better defensive team than Atlanta and we saw that play out in the postseason so for this Atlanta team this year even with with Nagby and Morris and, and Cucho Hernandez You've got to be better defensively, especially on the road, to pick up points and be able to climb the the standings in MLS this season. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, the importance of getting on the board first. that that help you today? Yeah, I think it's key, especially where conditions aren't going to be ideal, even if the, the field itself is fine. It's going to be cold. You know, temperature is going to be right around 32, so... You know, Atlanta hasn't been in conditions like this in a while. You get on the board first, I think, from just a, a, a confidence level, from a comfort level, make the other team start to chase, have to open up a little bit more, take some chances, and you can exploit that on your break. But, yeah, the first goal, really, really important today. There you go. All right. That's uh, Jason Lunch. Hey, listen. Stay he's warm, the, man. He's the voice of that, and, of course, he is our first fill-in when Sam is gone or I'm gone. He's like the fifth Beatle. He's the guy we call to right off the bench, and he does a great job. Jason, yeah, stay warm up there and uh, bring us back not only a win, but, a, a, you know, a call from Mike that we want. Yes. Give it to me, Sam. We want to boom Yakamakis. There you go. Even Hopefully if it's cold. Hopefully gets on the board for that today. All right. <laughs> Jason Longshore joining Sam and Greg. Appreciate it, buddy. We are going to wrap things up and turn things over to John Fricky coming up top of the hour. It is Sam and Greg, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, 92.9 The Game.com. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.